0: One thing I love when it comes to creators in the quilting world is creators who are all about community. And this one particularly takes a deep dive into personal health and well-being. I love this topic and I can't wait to explore it. Today, I'll have a chat with wellness coach for makers, Jenny Grover. Hello and welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast, where I explore the stories, the connections and the joy of guests in the quilting world that will bring you more joy and less overwhelm on your own creative path. I'm your host, Brandy Moslowski, also known as the Quilter on Fire, and I can't wait to share this week's episode with you. So here we go. My guest today is Jenny Grover. She is an author, quilter, and wellness coach for makers. She cares deeply about craft and health and how they intersect with each other. She is an associate certified coach, has been a patient advocate and chronic illness coach, and has designed a creative resilience wellness coaching approach that we are going to talk about in great detail today. She is a sought after keynote speaker on the topic of living a healthy, creative life with testimonials like she's a rock solid speaker and one of my favorite people. But most importantly, she has taken her own personal struggle and turned it into a passion to serve others. So let's explore the story of Jenny Grover. Jenny Grover, welcome to the show.
1: Brandy, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: (laughs) This is such a great topic and you are such a great person. So let's take a look back at where you got started. When do you first remember putting stitch to fabric?
1: Oh, goodness. Well... I think I was in elementary school, and a lot of people on my mom's side of the family are stitchers, and so I learned how to do embroidery, and I learned a little bit from my grandma, and I learned a lot in Girl Scouts. I'm a big proponent of Girl Scouts, and that I was hooked from the minute that I started doing it.
0: Oh, it's so great that you had that kind of creative lifestyle as a child. That's awesome. Were there certain Mm -hmm. people, you mentioned your mom and your grandma, but were there certain people in your life that really had a creative impact on you early on?
1: Oh, yes. I would say my great grandmothers both were very creative people. They did crochet, they quilted, and my grandmothers were both very creative, particularly my grandma on my mom's side. They had a farm, and so everything was handmade, hand-grown, produced there on the farm and so for me that was just a real introduction into DIY lifestyle and I think that that influenced a lot of choices that I made from I mean probably before I can remember being (laughs) alive (laughs) yeah can you tell us about your very first quilt oh gosh well so I feel like I have two very first quilts um The first one I made with a friend, I think I was in my mid 20s, maybe early 20s. And I don't remember a lot of the process. I was under a lot of stress. And she thought this would comfort me. So we just cut a bunch of things into like 10 inch squares and sewed them together. And when I think back now on it, it was very ugly. (laughs) (laughs) No, Uh, probably not. (laughs) And it was very like, it was just not really like my colors. I think it was just I was influenced by other people's choices. And and then to be honest, that time in my life was so stressful. I actually, for years later, I forgot that I'd made it. So for a long time, I told people my first quilt that I made was in like 2015, 2016. But I recently remembered making this other old quilt with her. That's what stress does to us sometimes. But the first quilt that I really poured my heart into, which was the second quilt I made, was um, a snowball quilt. A friend of mine approached me and she said, You know, Jenny, I think you'd be so into quilting. And I was like, No way. Quilting is for old ladies. Everything's brown. You know, I had this real, I had these really like outdated notions of what quilting was. I look back now and I really just had no idea what I was talking about. So she talked me into it. She had to draw on my sewing machine with a sharpie to show me how to thread my machine which was a pretty um, gutsy move on her part, but it actually was what I needed to learn. So that was great. (laughs) And that snowball quilt is like every shade of pink and red and orange and purple. And there's not a lot of difference in value. Like everything is just super saturated. Yeah. Um, But I love that quilt. It's a hot mess, but I love it so much. I still use it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And so when you say snowball, are you talking curves or did you use like the half square triangles to make those corners? I used the half square triangles. Yeah. We were not, (laughs) I had really not even ever sewn. And so like on a machine. So straight lines were all I could handle at that time. So yeah, Yeah. big squares, little squares, trim off the extra. You got your snowball. Yeah. And colorful, but no white snow in the snowball quilt. No, it was (laughs) absolutely not. You know, a, a funny story. I I took that, I took a picture of it to the first quilt shop I ever went to was in suburban Cleveland. That's where my husband's from. And I was so excited to show pictures of it. I was so excited first to be in a quilt shop. I'd never been in one and I was like in awe. And then I told them I was a new quilter. They asked to see a picture. I showed them in the woman's face. It went completely, completely blank. And then she just stared at me for a second and she said, oh so interesting (laughs) why why did she say that I think she thought it was terrible (laughs) her face she looked like she had seen the ugliest and I you know what I laughed so hard about it I thought it was great because that's that's fine I don't care if she likes it or not but I I thought it was so rude but it was it's so funny when I look back on it now um Because everyone's taste is different. And I realize Ah. now I was in a very traditional quilt shop with a very untraditional top. (laughs) That is so funny that we have, we do
0: actually have a very similar story because one of the earliest children's quilts I made was the pinks and the reds and the oranges together. And a quilter in my guild kindly, as softly as she could said, no, honey, those don't go together. (laughs) And and I I was kind of devastated because I thought it was so great. But, you know, early on... I don't think they have bad intentions or anything, but, you know, they just, it's like wearing white
1: after Labor Day or whatever it is. They yeah. sort of have these beliefs about it and they're going to, yeah, right. come across that way. But yeah, yeah, right. And, you know, i that wasn't the only thing that happened in that shop. The other thing that happened that was so cool was that I was looking at, I was talking about the stitches and she said... I want you to step back three feet from your quilt. And if you can't see mistakes, quote unquote, then they're just not there. And so it was like, I definitely learned a lot of different things that day. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: great. You know? That's a really good little tip too, because so many people yeah. labor over that one little point or
1: corner, oh, and yeah. when
0: really no one's ever going to notice. Oh, and, for real, you know. Anyway, okay, so that's great. <laughs> okay. So, how did your quilting blossom from there? You've made your first two quilts. You've entered the world of mm. going to a quilt shop and exploring everything that is there. How did you blossom from there?
1: Well, I. I was just obsessed, immediately obsessed with quilting. It has so much of what I love, color, pattern, repetition, hanging out with friends, processing emotions and feelings through the work. I mean, generosity, there's just so much to it. So at the time I had just moved in with Joe, who I'm now married to, and he had no idea what was about to happen. But <laughs> I took over the dining room. It's a classic story. Yeah. Um, you know, the fabric everywhere. I upgraded my machine. I started going to sew-ins in the Chicago area where I live. The There's a group called the Chicago Sewing Social, and they have periodic meetups at, you know, shops and places like that. And So somehow I found out about them, and I went to one, and then someone said, "Hey, we're all in a quilt guild," and I was—I thought she was pranking me (laughs) because I never heard the word guild before. Like I thought that was like something in the from the Renaissance era, like not (laughs) contemporary. Um, So she invited me to the Chicago Modern Quilt Guild, and I went to my first meeting and was just like bowled over. There were so many people making incredible things. And I just knew that was it. Like I was done for, I came home, I told Joe, get ready. It's going to get crazy in this condo. (laughs) There's going to be fabric every inch of this condo. And that is what happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So when you entered the guild, of course, you're probably surrounded by a group of people who lifted you up. So how did your quilting change over time? Like from where you started till Mm. now?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, very quickly, they helped me level up my um, my technique. You know, For example, I was at a sew just a few months after I joined the guild and nothing I was making was going together right. And I was <laughs> kind of lamenting it. I had this kind of old, funky, not good machine. And w- one very nice woman who I'd never met before introduced me to the concept of a quarter-inch um, foot and that really helped. And then people taught me about tools. They've told me about different quilt shops to try. I started making friends with people, which meant we would hang out and then I would learn about other interesting like quilters, swaps. I you know, I was on Instagram. I started participating in quilt swaps on Instagram. That was a thing we used to do. Yeah. <laughs> and really quickly, I'd say within a year, I just had this crew of people at that time, women there's more men and non-binary people are in our guild now, but at the time, a group of women who really believed in me, cheered me on, you know, helped me through challenges. It was, it was kind of amazing. Like I, I thought I was joining just to learn about how to make stuff. And what I got was I made a ton of friends and also we make stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So great. Okay, so let's just take
0: a step out of the story for a second and talk about where are you living now? You mentioned Chicago. And who are your loved ones that you share your world with every day?
1: Oh, sure. Well, so I live in Evanston, which is just north. It's just over the northern border of Chicago. It's home to Northwestern University where I went to college for journalism school. My husband, who I also live with, um, teaches and works at Northwestern University. So I lived in Chicago for about 25 years. We only recently moved to Evanston a few years ago, but we have a single family home for the first time in my life as an adult. Yeah. And um, it's incredible. I feel so lucky to get to live here and to live with Joe, who is the best partner and such a queer, a quilt cheerleader. Uh-huh. Like he loves quilts. He loves quilters.
0: <laughs> that is so great. Okay. And so let's take a moment to just give sort of the overriding snapshot of your business. What's your elevator pitch?
1: Sure. So I am a wellness coach for makers. That includes a lot of quilters. <laughs> I help people learn how to feel good physically, mentally, creatively, socially, and spiritually. So I um, love helping people feel better. And when they're feeling well more often, what that means is their craft and their creative energies are so much richer and intertwined. Yeah, I love that. And so did you
0: make a transition over time from, you know, a series of different career paths to move into what you were most passionate about?
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> the career has been wild. Um, <laughs> I started as a journalist. I have been a writer since I was a little kid. I wrote my first novella when I was 12 and 13, Um, went to journalism school. When I graduated from journalism school, there weren't a ton of jobs out. So I took a job at a trade magazine called Rock Products, which was not about rock and roll. It was about rocks. (laughs) So I was hired to write about rocks and how to break them into smaller rocks (laughs) And then how to combine them with sand and other ingredients to make them into concrete, which then also gets sometimes broken into smaller rocks. So it was really like not my dream job, but I I love being a journalist and, and I, I'm so thankful for that job because it took me all over the world yeah. and I got to work with all these incredible people. I became a media relations manager for an industry association which meant I did a ton of promotion work, including being on HGTV and on the modern Marvel's TV show, um, uh, on, um, uh, the history channel and like just doing all these like weird things I never would have imagined. Right. Yeah. So then I got sick and I got diagnosed with a bunch of health things. And one of the things I, one of the ways I took care of myself was I left the full-time working field and started my own freelance writing business. Mm. And um, that was tw- almost 22 years ago. I think that's right, 21 years ago. And, um, you know, so I've been self-employed ever since. And in in that vein, I continue to be a writer. But then because of my illness, and we'll talk about it this a little more, I think i Create, started shifting more toward writing about chronic illness and chronic health conditions, and then became a full-time patient advocate and chronic illness coach and did all that stuff for a long time. And that was for many, many years, like 16 years. <laughs> yeah. And then in 2019, I made the decision to transition again and start training as a wellness coach. So it's it has not been a straight line in any way. The, the one through line through there is creativity, is mm-hmm. Being a writer and being a storyteller and telling my story and empowering other people to tell their stories and using creative actions and choices every day to feel good. That's like the one through line. Yeah, so great.
0: So, uh, you know, it, it fascinates me because obviously you had your own personal journey that you needed to take and it led you to where you are today. And mm-hmm. we're going to explore that in a little more detail after the break. But why do you think, like, so let's go into the coaching aspect of things. Sure. So what does it
1: mean to be a coach? Oh, gosh. A lot of people confuse coaching, therapy, and consulting. Okay. So therapy, um, I'm definitely not a therapist, not trained as a therapist. I don't desire to do that. Therapy really helps people in large part look back mm-hmm. and see what shaped them and work with their life from that perspective. A consultant is someone who will work with you on the present and give you instructions on what to do to change. Mm -hmm. Coaching has small aspects of both of those, but coaching is really where I work with a client to create a compassionate, creative, safe environment for them to to learn about themselves and begin to understand the steps that they want to take to become the best version of themselves. Yeah. So, I'm not we're not sitting and talking for a long time about things that happened in the past. We're really hanging out in the present much more and I'm not giving them specific instructions most of the time. I'm just empowering them to learn how to ask the questions they need to to discover what their own answers are. And a big part of why I love it is that um, my clients don't stay my clients for a super long time because they learn these skills they get to carry with them for life. And they might come back, pop in here and there for a refresher, but generally my clients only stay with me for a matter of a few months. And then they're they're changed and they get to go out and like practice these new skills, you know? Yeah.
0: And to go further into the coaching thing, you know, sometimes people wonder who really is a coach or what what
1: actually is a coach. So tell us a little bit more about that. Mm, yeah. So people come to coaching from lots of different backgrounds. Uh, for myself, be, because I'm not trained as a psychologist or a consultant, I felt like I needed some really solid training. So I have two wellness life coach certifications one from my school, which is Coach Training EDU, and then one through the International Coaching Foundation. So the International Coaching Foundation, or ICF, is the biggest governing body that serves coaches around the world and something i really love about them is they require a pretty extensive amount of ongoing professional development to maintain my certification and they have a really strong code of ethics that guides my work and so i love being part of that organization yeah that is so
0: great and i can see so clearly why you love that intersection between maker mm. and wellness mm. but What's the need out there? Like what? Oh, Why are you doing this?
1: Well, first I can say that, you know, as a creative person, as a lifelong writer, I have known so many creative people who are physically and mentally miserable. <laughs> yeah. And like there's this sexy romantic idea of journalists and they're like rugged and ragged and they smoke and they drink and like yeah I definitely was that journalist for a long time and it did not serve me well. And I I know a lot of quilters and makers now that um they're hurting. They're doing physical repetitive tasks, and they're hurting their bodies, and they're frustrated, and they want to feel better. And so that's one aspect of it. And then there's the mental health aspect of it, where so many people that I work with and friends who I love, they feel guilty making stuff because they feel like they should, and I'm putting air quotes on that, they should be doing other stuff, or they worry about being, quote unquote, productive, or they feel sad because they're not as quote unquote good as all the other quilters around them or whatever, you know, there's all these mental games we play. So I love helping people learn how to unlearn some of those bad physical and mental habits that are holding them back. And because I've been through it myself, I feel equipped to guide them through that process.
0: Yeah. I just love it. I just love it. Mm -hmm. So was there, you know, was there a defining moment when you felt, okay, this is my thing. I am going to be helping people do what I've helped myself do with all this education I've learned. I just have these skills. I need to share them.
1: In 2019, I hit a wall. I had been doing chronic illness advocacy and coaching for about 16 years. And I knew I needed a change. My own health Mental health, physical health, spiritual health had all been improving, and creativity had been a big part of that, and I knew that I needed to step out of identifying as a sick person, even though I still had all the same conditions, and I needed to make a change, and that working in the chronic illness world was not going to continue to serve me. Um, It's hard to live in a body with a bunch of chronic conditions, And then when you stack on top of that work that is all about credit conditions, (laughs) you know, I was doing a lot of interviewing people for magazines. So I was writing a lot of profiles about people who have been through desperately hard things. And those stories, they really help people. They really lift people up. They inform and educate people. They're great for advocacy. But that's a lot of weight for one person to carry around every day. So... I just, I kind of hit a wall and I knew that something needed to change. And so I wanted to find a way that I could take my love of helping people feel better and focus it in a more kind of like positive light. And so that was when I decided to become a a coach. Yeah. I love that. And
0: one thing really popped out of what you just said for me. And that was the phrase identifying as a sick person, because it brings me right back to, you know, a moment in my life when I, I blew my knee out in volleyball one in one, mm. you know, a decade ago. And, um, I remember it was a really long healing journey for me just to get my knee feeling back. Like I could play volleyball again. Mm. And I remember being on that table in the physiotherapist room. And I think I just blurted out something like, I'm so tired of just feeling injured and being sick. I just want to play. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can never play volleyball again. It's mm. been going on forever. And she stopped me cold and she said, no, you do not get to say that you're going to be sick forever or you're not going to ever play volleyball Mm -hmm. again or this Mm -hmm. is going to last forever because that is what people decide and then that is what happens for them. She said, your knee is going to be better and stronger than it was before when I'm done with you. And that's mm. the direction that we're going to go, right? So I love I'm, her. <laughs> I know. I love that you said that. And, you know, and I love that my knee that was injured is stronger than my other knee now. I'm worried about my other knee. So you know, <laughs> if you do the physiotherapy and, and really take the care for your body that you need to... you. Of course there's a positive path forward, but it's yeah. hard to see that when you're right in the thick of it, right? So Yeah, yeah that's,
1: that's that's really true. And for yeah. those of us who have chronic illness, you know, I mean it's chronic and I was told I would have my stuff forever. And at the time when I started doing the advocacy work, it made sense to identify in that way. Because it helped me create a voice and, and tell a story about myself, which helped, it got people to listen to me. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, especially young women with chronic illness, they were not, we were not being listened to. This is before social media. Keep in yeah. mind, there was no social media. There was no advocacy online like we see now all the time. And I I needed that identity in a way, but yeah, it stopped serving me. And so yeah. that choice was really difficult, but I, I'm glad I made it. Yeah, yeah. And there might be
0: people listening right now who are just encountering their very first, like having a hard time sleeping at night or whatever. And there may be others that have a whole slew of things they're trying to deal with all at once. So Mm -hmm. there's such a wide variety of things that people deal with in their wellness. So how do you approach bringing in a new client and Mm -hmm. what does your program kind of entail?
1: Yeah. So I, um, my clients come to me from all over. Some of them have been people I've met through Quilt Guild or older friends or referrals from friends. And some are just people who find me on social media and they ask for help. And so each person is very different and they all have different needs. So I work really hard to make sure that everybody gets a customized coaching program. I don't have a set program that everyone goes through, I really tailor it to their needs because some people come to me and they say, I don't feel creative at all. I need help learning how to get in touch with my creativity and not feeling stupid if I make mistakes, you know, or some people come to me and they say, I have a bunch of chronic health conditions. I'm trying to figure out how to manage them better so that I can have more time and energy for crafting. Like those two people's needs are going to be really different. Yeah. The approach that I take to both of them is similar and that I'm guiding them to learn what they need to figure out and helping them, creating a framework for them in which to do that that's safe for them to get vulnerable and get creative. Um, But yeah, everybody gets a kind of a different approach because we're all so different. We have different needs.
0: So let's focus a little on the quilting world right now. So what are some of the common challenges
1: that quilters face? Oh, that's. That's a really good question. (laughs) So for me, I think there are four things that come up really frequently for quilters. One is feeling that they're not creative because they use patterns. (laughs) So this is something I see much more in modern quilting. And I think that's because, you know, things like QuiltCon and magazines like Curated Quilts, which are amazing and wonderful, they emphasize original quilt design and original quilt patterns. And so there are a lot of people who feel like if they don't live up to that, that they're just not creative. So I love to help people (laughs) learn and recognize that without the traditional patterns and techniques, we wouldn't have quilting at all. So using those is not lazy. It's not uncreative. It's just one path you can take. So I work with clients on that. I have a lot of clients with real physical challenges. And so sometimes I need to refer them like they they might need to go to physical therapy, or they might need a massage, or they might need to work with an ergonomic specialist. But I have a lot of guidance I can offer and to help them kind of figure out where some of the repetitiveness or maybe the ergonomic challenges are. Um a third thing that people face a lot is their inner critic. We all have that inner critic. Mine's named Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to him all the time. <laughs> Todd shows up, I see him, he's like sitting on my shoulder trying to tell me that I'm no one likes me and nothing I do is original. And I just kind of take my thumb and my ring finger, middle finger, just flick him right off my shoulder. And he goes (laughs) flying away. (laughs) But we all have that inner critic, right? So I do a lot of inner critic work with all of my clients, because when we can learn to identify who that voice is and speak back to them and speak truth to them, we can really begin to love ourselves more. And then the fourth thing that I've, I've think about a lot the last few days is guilt. I mm-hmm. hear a lot of especially women and especially moms mm-hmm. who feel really guilty about quilting when they should be and again that should is in air quotes. They yeah. should be doing laundry. They should be Handcrafting every meal for their kids or what, you know, they feel this pressure and guilt if they are not being super mom to the world yeah. and wanting to prioritize their art. And so I really love to help people get over that. (laughs) Yeah, I love
0: that. And so now I have to say here that it was such a joy to meet with you at QuiltCon. And we Mm -hmm. have a little bit of snippets in a past episode about wellness tips for makers, but we can't go through this episode without bringing those back or talking (laughs) about them in a little greater detail. So what are some of your top wellness tips for makers?
1: Sure, yeah, it was so fun to meet you in person. There's so many people I love and respect that. I mean, QuiltCon this year was like, I got to meet so many of them. It was great. Yeah. Um, so I have three key tips that I think are really important for wellness for makers. The first is to pause. There are so many times throughout our day and in our creative practice when we would really benefit from stepping back, taking a couple nice deep breaths, <laughs> evaluate what's going on, and asking ourselves, what do I need? What do I need right now? Just listen to your gut. Your gut will tell you you need a glass of water. You need to stop listening to other people. (laughs) You need to work on a different project or you need to take a nap because you're tired or you need to stop being mean to yourself. Like we know what we need. We just, our culture does not really encourage us to pause and get quiet. That's not our world right now. So, pausing. The second one is to really seek balance across the five threads of wellness what i call the five threads of wellness which is the physical mental social creative and spiritual so not just thinking that if we're going to try to get better healthier that we're it, we're going to be able to do sit-ups do you know what i mean like not yeah. having a tiny narrow window um and then the third is don't want don't let anyone self-care shame you <laughs> so ah, what does that mean <laughs> Well, okay. So like, I love bad reality TV. I love reality TV so much. It's really a lot of people think it's gross, but I don't care. And (laughs) I love it. And sometimes I need to turn off my brain because my brain just goes a mile a minute. So sometimes I need to lie on the couch and watch below deck sailing yacht. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever. And I used to feel really ashamed of that. I, I, <laughs> my husband is a very intellectual. He doesn't watch TV like that. I know that he doesn't judge me for it, but I was judging myself and now I'm over it. So don't let anyone tell you, if, and as long as you're not harming yourself, right? But whatever you need to do to feel good, do it. Yeah. Just let all judgment roll off your back. Yeah, so good. Yeah,
0: oh, I love all of those tips. They're so great. And, you know, this podcast is all about more joy and less overwhelm. And I can't even think of a better episode to bring to the people who are in this community. <laughs> so thank you for those. Now, how do you walk that talk and take care oh. of yourself?
1: You mean, how do I not be a giant hypocrite? Is that... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I've had a lot of great, um, wellness kind of mentors and, and people over the years, teachers and therapists, every kind of therapist, you know, teach me all kinds of techniques. So my day has a lot of routine in it. And that's something I encourage my clients to explore. I, I work out five to six days a week, some kind of cardio and I mix it up. So I don't get bored because I get bored really easily. So I do a lot of different kinds of things. And my passion right now is Aqua Zumba. Oh. It's like, it's amazing. It's like sexy dancing to awesome music in the pool. Oh, fun <laughs> so Doesn't fun. matter what you look like. No one can tell you're in a yeah. pool. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I meditate every day. Um I have a team of people that I can reach out to if I need things, if I need acupuncture, if I need therapy, if I need physical therapy. I've got all my people lined up. I eat a pretty healthy diet. I wake up and go to bed pretty much at the same time every day. So, you know, compared to my young days as a journalist where I would be out partying till 2 a.m. and then like smoke a bunch of cigarettes and then get it just is a very different lifestyle now. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and I have people who keep me in check, you know, not in check sounds kind of harsh, but people who are looking out for me. I have a husband who will, if I say, Hey, let's get ice cream. He'll just quietly say, is that, is that really what you want? Yeah, Like he's giving me the chance to decide, but he's reminding yeah. me, maybe you don't want it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I think working with so many clients that also holds me accountable because, Every time I meet with someone, if I encourage them to be, get quiet and listen to their gut, then if if then if later on in that day, I'm freaking out about something and I'm I, I can hear myself almost reminding myself to do the same thing. yeah, so in a lot of ways, my work helps me get in their headspace and remember yeah. like, right, this is what I'm doing. This is what I need to do. Yeah, And I love love what you said there about your husband because,
0: you know, some people might think, oh, he's telling you what to do. But you know what? He's giving you a gentle reminder. And Mm -hmm. when I go through a drive-thru, which we don't eat fast food anymore. Like the last couple of years, we've completely eliminated it. And that's a huge victory for us. Mm -hmm. But we used to drive through the McDonald's drive-thru. And we'd eat that. And we would feel so ill immediately. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. immediately we'd feel full and gross and ill. And I would always say to my husband, remind me to never do that again. Like, yeah. why do we keep doing this? And he goes, I don't know why we keep doing So <laughs> it's really good for you to be on the same page with your spouse yeah. and, you know, talking about like when I'm going for, we want to do the Dairy Queen or ice cream or whatever, mm-hmm. remind me that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And let's, do something else. Let's make a fruit parfait, whatever. Right. 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 There's
1: options and having people that are like on your team who will gently remind you of your goals or ask you questions, clarifying questions. Like he doesn't tell me what to eat or not. He's never going to tell me to not do something, Yeah. but we have an agreement. And so I've asked him to inquire and that's yeah. what he does. So, yeah. you know, my sister-in-law is the same. She's really my sister. I call her my sister now. And she and I have been on this healthy journey the last couple of years of exercise and eating better. And we are each other's accountability buddies. We text each other all the time, like, hey, I'm dreaming of donuts. How are you doing? And <laughs> <so> like, great. <laughs> Stop dreaming of donut. Like, I dream all you want, but go grab an apple. And, you know, like, <laughs> We help each other, but we have an agreement. It's like, it's not unsolicited advice. It's like, I've asked her to help me. She reciprocates. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Another thing that my husband and I do well
0: is when one of us is like embedded in the couch, the other one will really try to push to say, okay, today's the day we're going to go for a hike. So we try to do that for each other as well. So that's great. Oh yeah, that's the best. Okay. So now you have a book we want to talk about. It's called Chronic
1: Babe 101 tell us about that. Yeah, I wrote this book. um, Thank you for asking. I I wrote it. I wrote it over a number of years. It took me quite a long time to write this book, (laughs) because I started working on it in like 2010. Mm -hmm. And the economy was garbage. And I was getting a divorce. And like, it was just, it took a while. (laughs) So Chronic Babe 101, How to Craft an Incredible Life Beyond Illness. Is the book I published in 2017. And it is like a manual for people with chronic illness and chronic pain to learn how to be badass, to learn how to be babelicious. So great. That's what my advocacy work was about. Like I took the name, I created the name Chronic Babe because I wanted to acknowledge the reality of chronic illness but acknowledge what i was striving for which was to still be a babe like i was 25 when i got sick i didn't want to let go of being a wild crazy <laughs> adventurous you know person so i wrote this book i it's got 10 chapters with all different kinds of themes like boundaries and teamwork and relationships and career and it's packed with interviews with guest experts. It's got 13 interviews with guest experts and lots of how to stuff to help people learn how to create a new life for themselves, even if they have health issues. And, you know, to be honest, all of us at some point are going to have health issues. So I feel like it's a book for everyone, but usually people find it because they get sick and then their doctor or their friend or whoever recommends it. Um, But it's such a joy, you know, people still buy this book six years later. And it's amazing to have people write to me and tell me they just discovered the book. And like, it's, I love that it's still out there helping people.
0: Yeah, that is so great. And so well, speaking of the book, where can we find it?
1: The book is for sale on Amazon. And if you just search for my name or search for the term chronic babe, one word, you will find it.
0: Yeah. So now I want to get into your website a little bit. Now that we know where we can find the book, we've heard all about it. I want you to tell us your website and what kind of things can we find there?
1: Okay. So my website is coachjennygrover.com. And I'm really excited because like as of this week, as we're recording this, I just launched the new site. So yeah. very excited about it. It has a bunch of great background. So if people want to hear about how I started out writing about rocks, they can read about <laughs> funny um but really it's a place for people to get acquainted with my work so they can learn about my coaching philosophy or sign up for coaching they can join my scrappy Society monthly membership program I have a couple of courses they can take on boosting their creativity and designing a um, a tailor-made self-care, routine. And then I have a blog that I've just started with a bunch of posts that I'm going to be blogging every week on. And then if people are my customers, if they buy a course or they sign up for the membership, they'll have an online portal on the site where they can manage all that. So it's really exciting to me to have one place where everything lives.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm really excited about this membership. We are going to talk about it after the break, but let's get a little deeper into your monthly zine which is like a mini paper magazine tell us about that a little bit
1: that's right so you know zines have a rich history in north american culture for in particular they are little handmade small magazines. So that's why they're just called a zine. It's a little cute name. And I used to make zines in the 90s and the early 2000s. And it's kind of a punk rock thing to make. So now as a nice middle aged lady, um, I'm coming back to my punk rock. roots, (laughs) (laughs) And I made this little tiny zine. It's called Scraps. And it's just full of little scraps of knowledge for, for makers. I mean, I, the the term scraps is really going to vibe for quilters, but it's really for all makers. So each month has a theme and the first month's issue is comparisonitis. And so Uh it's, it's really about learning why comparisonitis sucks so much and how we can kind of get over it, um, I had so much fun handing this out at QuiltCon. I met so many people staring at quilts saying, I could never do that. And I'm like, hi, I have a present for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, So I'm going to be making that monthly. I'm working on the next issue right now, uh, all about pacing techniques. So how we can pace ourselves. And it's just a single eight and a half by 11 sheet that's folded in such a way that it makes a little tiny eight page magazine that you can put in your pocket. So it's it's just a cute bite-sized way to get in front of people. And some people are tactile learners. And so giving them something that they can print out and fold up is like a way to help them anchor the knowledge into their brain. Yeah. And I think
0: anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm absolutely crazy about puns. So I love how you <laughs> added the scraps into there. But I also loved earlier in the podcast when you said threads of wellness. I was like, Ooh. yes, that's my, I'm, I'm, you know. I, I say way too many fire puns in this podcast. I don't nobody bothers me about it though. I think I think they like it. I hope so. <laughs>
1: I mean, they seem to stick around, so they're probably yeah. into it.
0: Threads <laughs> of wellness is so good. Oh thanks. okay. So let's talk about the blog. You can go into the blog and you can look at the past history of the blog, but you're about to start to get going now that your website is new and your membership yeah. is new. What's gonna be coming up on the blog?
1: Yeah, so I have a bunch of stuff planned for the blog. I'm going to be interviewing experts not only in quilting but in other creative fields to kind of get their take on wellness and how they take care of themselves I will be creating more tutorials on things that people can use to elevate their own wellness and creativity um, I will be writing about events that I attend or organize and um yeah so there's a bunch I mean okay fine I'll say it. I'm definitely working on a podcast. <laughs> Nice. (laughs) And so the podcast, I haven't told anybody this yet. So I'm actually breaking news on the podcast. Yes. So so I'm going to be launching a podcast later this year. And so the blog will also have a post each time I do the, the podcast. So it's really a chance for me to come back to my writerly roots and make sure I'm doing slightly longer form writing that really gives people a lot of resources to put into use it'll be nice to go deeper on topics and give myself and my guests a chance to speak in a longer form. Like I'm, I'm used to making reels on Instagram or making 15 second posts and Instagram stories and things like that, but you can't really go deep in those. So I love the, the chance to go deep. and. People learn in all different kinds of ways. Some people don't want to read a long-form blog post anymore, and some people don't want to watch videos. And so I like to have my offerings be in a variety of formats, so I'm always catching people where they like to learn.
0: Yeah, so good. Okay, and you write for a few magazines as well, so let's talk about some of those.
1: I do, yeah. So I've written for Quilt Folk Magazine, which is a beautiful, beautiful travel magazine, I'm currently writing for Quilt Maker Magazine. I do their designer Q&A series. And then I have a monthly gig writing for susiequilts.com And for her, I specifically write about wellness challenges for quilters and other makers. So I think when it comes to susiequilts.com, it's fantastic to put resources in the hands of lots and lots of people and see them using them and hear how they use them and get that feedback. And I love that Susie's giving a space for people to explore their wellness and improve it. Like that's, she has a big, big platform. So for her to make space for that every month is fantastic. Yeah, that's so great. So is that in a way like a blog where you can go back and look at it? Yes, they live as blog posts on her site. So if you go to susiequilts.com and put my name in Jenny, Grover, that's Jenny with an I, you'll get the whole history of all my posts.
0: Okay. So suzyquilts.com is S-U-Z-Y or Z-Y, depending where mm-hmm. you live. And again, Jenny Grover is Jenny with an I, right? So we want to make that's sure right. that we're getting that website, right? Which is coachjennygrover.com, right? Correct. Correct. Okay, good. Okay. So now, This is a topic I love because the accolades on your website, the testimonials you have are incredible. So, you also (laughs) do custom tailored lectures and workshops with a mix of creativity and wellness. So, tell us about those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love doing those. I've been doing workshops, keynotes, lectures for many, many years, probably more than 20 years now. And so, it's really fun to be shifting into doing this mix of learning opportunities, either for small groups, big groups longer things like a six-day workshop, shorter things like an hour lecture, online, in person. I kind of do it all. (laughs) So I I love being able to do that. And I offer a pretty wide variety, as you noted, of lectures and workshop topics. Yeah, I love it. Let's talk about a couple of them. Sure. So one of the things that I've been offering for a few years now is a course called The Daily Creative. And in the course we learned 30 ways to cultivate creativity in the mundane. And so I have adapted that to be specific for quilters. And so we get together, we kind of rapid fire go through these 30 ways. So for example, I always talk about people's sock drawer. The sock drawer is a place for us to play and have creativity. So like you can organize your socks by color, you can organize them by type, You can take a bunch of socks out and arrange them on your bed or your counter in shapes. You can try to fold them into animals. There's like all kinds of stuff you can do with your socks. And people sometimes when they're feeling creatively tapped out, like everybody owns socks. So everybody can go (laughs) do that. So we play a lot. It's about getting silly. So there's lots of ways to get creative in our day to day. And then we translate that into like, how does that show up in your sewing space? You know, what do you learn from that? How do you bring that into your quilting? So I have another lecture on mindfulness and quilting. So that's where we go into exploring a deeper awareness moment by moment in our craft. And so we really learn to honor the craft, honor our body's limitations and capabilities and connect with deeper meaning in our work. I have a workshop that I'm working on right now that is called Making It Through. And it's really exploring how we cultivate acceptance of difficulties that impact our quilting, like illness or pain or financial things or time. And we learn how to get more creative in spite of them and use our craft to deal with them. So I'm developing that one right now. And then I have one that's super fun. I mentioned our inner critic work. I talked about Todd, my own inner critic. So I have a workshop called Quilt Your Inner Critic which is a group coaching and improv piecing quilting experience. And so in that workshop, I take the participants through the inner critic exercise where they get to know who their own inner critic is, give them a name, visualize what they look like. And then we do improv work based on that. So people, They have an opportunity to learn from me, to learn from themselves, to connect with other people in the workshop. So they're learning together and they're making something. So they're using their mind, their heart, their soul, their hands, and they're with other people in community. Um, I have a feeling that's going to become my most loved workshop (laughs) because I just feel like it hits on all of of the most important pieces of quilting and wellness. So there's... And then I custom design, I I do custom requests, all, you know, from people to from different quilt guilds and other organizations.
0: Yeah. Say the name of the last workshop you talked about again. Sure.
1: It's Quilt Your Inner Critic.
0: Wow, I love that. It's so powerful. And it's been hard for me to not let my mind wander into how can I book you for my guilt? You know, I'm Mm -hmm. like, stay in the podcast, Brandy. It's such a great (laughs) topic. Please book me for your (laughs) guild. Yeah, it is such a great topic. I love it. I love it. Okay, now we get into a couple of fun questions. Okay, wait, not that the other questions haven't been fun, but (laughs) is there a quilt or quilt project that has been most memorable for you?
1: Mm, It's got to be my epic hexy quilt, Brandy. It was. Major.
0: (laughs) How many hexes were in it?
1: 2,752. Oh, gosh. Wow. (laughs) Um, So I know that because I, I counted them, but also the last hexi, I embroidered that number on it and then I. Applicated that hexie to the back of the quilt because I knew that everyone would ask me. And if I, I knew I wouldn't remember. <laughs> now I've it's been so long I do remember now. But yeah, that you know, I started out basting hexes because somebody told me I should and gave me a bunch of free papers. And it turned out to be so calming and soothing. So I basted hexes for months, just like every scrap I could get my hands on from every human and every shop and yeah, pieces of clothing, and you know, you know the deal. I mean, you you do EPP, yep. right? So yeah, so you know how it is. It's kind of addictive, and I after a while, I had so many hundreds of them. I was like, okay, I should probably figure out what I'm going to do with these. <laughs> so, my friend Robbie Ecklow, who is a an incredible contemporary quilter, she and and a really good at math, and she helped me figure out how to plan a rainbow quilt and made a coloring sheet for me that I could organize and finesse like how many hexies were in it and I started planning I started organizing I I mean I I worked I sewed on it I took it to conferences I took it on international boating trips I I did it in the car, I I brought them I even I went to a conference, um, a sobriety conference. I'm in this organization called recovery Dharma. It's a Buddhist sobriety organization. And we had a big conference in Chicago, and I brought them there and other people stitched them. I mean, like, these hexes have everybody's energy in them. So I made this big quilt. I loved it so much. I had somebody quilt it for me because I was afraid to quilt it myself. But then I sewed a facing on. So it's got a rainbow hexi border on the back wow. that is a facing. Yeah. And then I washed it and it bled like crazy through the <laughs> back. <laughs> so this, like, perfect, I'm putting air quotes again perfect yeah. quilt covered in stains on the back. Yeah. And so I went through this journey of trying to fix it, getting help from people, learning about Don Dishwashing Liquid, all that stuff. And then I really came to a place of acceptance that even if we work on something for five years, as I did with that quilt, and even though we might think of it as quote unquote perfect, it can also get messed up and it can still be perfect with a capital P. Do you know what I mean? Like the love, the energy, the intention the time, all that's still in there, even though the back looks a little funky. I don't really care. And when my best friend's kids come over and spend the night and sleep under that quilt in the guest bedroom, they don't care. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's when I, when I worry about stuff like that, I think about like, what would a little kid think about this? They don't care. And here's how
0: my creative mind works. I'm going to throw a curveball at you right now. Oh, do it maybe that quilt is just not finished. Maybe it needs to be painted on the back or maybe, you know.
1: <laughs> Whoa, Brandy just blew my mind, y'all. Oh my God. Okay, maybe. maybe. it
0: just needs a little bit of extra tender love and care to keep yeah. going.
1: <laughs> I mean, I worked on it for five years. Why wouldn't I spend more time on it? You know what <laughs> exactly, I mean? Yeah. Just add on. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for making okay. me think, Brandy. I love it.
0: <laughs> okay, this next question, everyone knows this is my favorite question. In your quilting world,
1: what brings you joy? You know, it's got to be people. Yeah. It's got to be people. I I love my guild so much. I love the people that I meet. I love meeting people like you. We would not have met for except for this. I love that everyone brings their own unique perspective and experience to the process. I love watching people grow through it. I love how quilts can give comfort and they can express rage and they can challenge us and they can also just be so basic as to just be kind of essential in our lives. We don't even think about them. I mean, there's but all that is people, all of that is driven by people and emotion and love and, and all kinds of stuff. And, I mean, so yeah, it's gotta be the people, which is not the thing I would have I guessed a few years ago. But I mean, I think the pandemic going through the pandemic, you know, I was president of my guild. I was elected in March of 2020 as president of my guild. So oh, good timing. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, I look back at that that year, that first year when I was president and like we kept our people going. Oh man, I'm gonna get emotional. We, we kept our, we kept our people connected and supported and I didn't really care what people were making. I just wanted them to know that they were okay and they weren't alone. And the bonds that were forged during that time are just lifelong unbreakable. And so I think it's really the, the people, the, that, you know, and, and also EPP, I love it. Yeah. (laughs)
0: That is such a great answer.
1: Great answer.
0: The people. Well done. Okay. So right now we are going to go to a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk all about Jenny's studio space, her brand new membership, which is so exciting. What is on her design wall right now? And we're going to touch on her own personal health journey and how she's doing today. We'll be right back. Now I'm so excited about this announcement because I am now an ambassador for Madeira Threads. The world of Madeira has arrived on the quilting scene in North America and I'm proud to be a new member of the Madeira family. Head on over to Quilter on Fire on your favorite social media to see me using and talking about Madeira thread. Before I agreed to embark on this new adventure, I took weeks to make samples to try out every different type of thread they offer for sewists, quilters, and all kinds of makers. They have the Katona line, which is several weights of cotton. They have Lana, which is wool, stitchable on your machine. They have Aerofil, which is 120 weight polyester. And they have the very popular Aero Quilt, which is for long arm quilting. They have a great variety of metallics and even some frosted matte thread with a touch of ceramic. And my favorite new thread is a 40 weight lyocell, which is made from wood. It's sustainable and it's called Sensagreen. Check out my full unboxing video on the Quilter on Fire YouTube channel and watch for my dog Luna because she makes a little cameo appearance. Ask your local quilt shop if they stock Madeira threads, and if they don't, tell them to reach out to me. And we are back with Jenny Grover. Tell us, Jenny, about your studio space. Where do you create?
1: Ah, that's a great question. Thanks, Brandy. I have a big room in our house. And it has north and east-facing windows. So I have great light in here. Like, it's just full of light all day. And this is where I sew, and it's where I'll be recording my podcast, and it's where I work for clients, and it's where I iron my husband's work shirts, <laughs> and a yeah. lot happens in here, as so many of our your listeners probably are the same. Um, it's pretty tidy. I generally keep things pretty cleaned up and put away because I get kind of stressed out when there's a lot of clutter. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple projects on my cutting table right now and a couple things papers to file on my desk, but otherwise it's pretty tidy. It's full of color. My thread is displayed on the wall in rainbow order. My fabrics are on a an IKEA Billy bookshelf behind me um also organized in rainbow order um <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my scraps are in a closet hidden away in clear plastic boxes also in rainbow order i think you're getting a theme here yeah. <laughs> and then there's just lots of art and plants and twinkly lights and tibetan prayer flags and just like stuffed animals <laughs> <Fun>. <laughs> Oh, it just sounds like a joyful, creative place.
0: And did I tell you that I organized something in rainbow order as well? No, tell me. I do. Well, I am a textile artist. And so scraps are my thing, scraps of all kinds of fabric. So when I'm finished with my making any project, I shove all the scraps into this huge drawer. And when I'm done with that drawer, it's full. When it's completely full, Uh -uh. I take it upstairs in laundry baskets and I sort it into rainbow piles. Then I take those piles and put them each in their color drawer. So I have 16 drawers in my studio. I don't know if you can see them actually. but Oh, I can see some
1: of your drawers. Yeah. I have
0: 16 drawers that are red, orange, yellow, green, blue. And, you know, I have a black and white one and a rainbow one, a multicolored one, (laughs) Christmas one. Anyway, so yeah, I do have a rainbow stash as well. Oh,
1: that's fun. I love it
0: ok, so now that we have had a glimpse at your studio, I want to talk about, you know, your average work day and how you are doing in your own personal health journey right now.
1: Oh, thanks for asking. yeah, i It's been a journey. Um, <laughs> my average work day right now, i I you know I get up pretty early. I have breakfast. I do yoga. I do my cardio, whatever I'm doing that day come home, get cleaned up. And by 930 ish, I'm in here working, whether that's talking with clients or freelance writing or working on a workshop idea or whatever, you know, sewing, whatever I'm doing that day. And I really break up the day because my body likes a lot of postural changes. And so I have a sit-stand desk, so I'm up and down. I might work on the computer for an hour, but then I'm going to go walk out in my garden for a little while, or I might coach someone while I'm standing at my desk, and then I go lie down on the floor and stretch my back out like I'm – there's a lot of – um. I don't just sit down at the desk and stay here all day. Absolutely yeah. not. Like yeah. that does not work for me. It doesn't work for most people, <laughs> but a lot of people don't have a choice. I have engineered a choice. So a lot of variables and my days are not, there's not a lot of routine because clients need me at different times of day. Yeah. Um, I need mm-hmm. me at different times of day. <laughs> so it's, there's a lot of bouncing around. Yeah.
0: And yeah. over, I mean, I guess, You know, something I really kind of just wanted to know was on your website, it says something wonderful about you've never felt better uh, than, you know, since you started this whole journey. So I just wanted to touch on that for a minute.
1: Yeah, I would be so happy to share about that because it's been a big shift. The last few years have been so hard in lots of ways, but so healing. You know, I think moving to the single family home in the suburbs after living in a condo and a pretty... Wild and crazy neighborhood in Chicago. I it's really done wonders for my mental and physical health. I've also been on this journey of um, therapeutic healing, and the past couple years, I did trauma therapy. and you know, that on top of the twenty some years before that, the of progress that I built with my pain care team, the trauma therapy just like, I can't even describe to you. It has just completely changed my existence. Yeah. I was able to unlock a lot of stuff and process a lot of stuff that I had really not felt safe to look at. Yeah. And by going through that process, I I feel liberated. So my physical energy is up. I'm sleeping better. I'm more able to stick to healthy habits. I'm able to have hard conversations with people. I, you know, I have PTSD from a couple of different things that have happened in my life. And I was still having panic attacks all the time. And I've, that's, I have had one panic attack in two years, which is amazing. And so, yeah, my health is just so different now. I, you know, when I first got sick, when I was 25, Folks told me, like, never do high impact exercise again. You're not, you're, I used to be a runner. You're not going to be a runner. You're not going to go skiing. You're not going to go dancing, like, all these things I used to love. And I didn't do those for almost 25 years. And my health is so much better now that I'm training for a 5K. Wow. I take not just Aqua Zumba class, but I do Land Zumba. I dance on land, <laughs> not just in the water. I dance at people's weddings. I dance in my studio for breaks in between clients. <laughs> like I'm, I just, I, I feel so incredibly different. And so I'm not that person who's like trauma is for everyone, but I will say that finding a good therapist and finding someone who helps you feel safe enough to do really difficult emotional work can sometimes have an incredibly huge physical payoff yeah. so you know we had uh, one of my dearest friends was over with her toddler the other day and the toddler and I spent an hour running through the sprinkler together in the backyard and like that's not something I could have done five years ago you know and so I'm so happy to be able to be in that position now
0: yeah well thank you so much for sharing such a personal part of your story of course of course now we're getting into another question I love 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 and that is what is your favorite time of the day?
1: Mm. It's got to be morning. I love the morning. I love to, um again, would not have, was not that way for a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because as someone with chronic pain, it used to be that every morning was like the hardest time of the day to get out of bed. And now I get out of bed, I feel good. I get energized. I have my morning routine. I have nice focused time with my husband. We watch Stephen Colbert on the rerun from the night before and have some laughs. Um, You know, I work out, I have breakfast, like I kind of get my day going and that's when I feel most creative. So morning for sure. Love that. Okay.
0: We're going to talk about some big news. You've got this brand new membership that you just started. So what are people going to find when they sign up for your membership?
1: Oh, I'm so excited about the membership. (laughs) (laughs) I... Called it the Scrappy Society because it's really about community. And to me, like as a quilter, I love scraps. Scraps are like gold to me. So, yeah. and then when you're someone who's scrappy, it's like you're you're a problem solver, you you got street sense, you know, you're an innovator. Like so scrappy society has a couple different meanings. Um, and it is a community. So we have a Facebook group that's private. And my clients get uh, monthly resources from me that are PDFs. And then there's lots of bonus things like this month, I giving them a meditation, just a beginner's meditation if they want to explore that. I'll be interviewing guest experts and we'll have challenges in the Facebook group. So it's really about having people, they have a theme every month that is tied into wellness and creativity. So folks can really choose how much they want to dive in. They can read through the PDF and go do their own thing, or they can jump into the Facebook group and take part in a challenge, or they can just like linger in the Facebook group and just chat with people. But it's really about building community and empowering people to explore their own creative wellness. And so it's a monthly program. It's 10 bucks a month. I... Have been told by a couple of people with good business sense that I'm not charging enough money. And (laughs) in some ways, they're probably right. But one of the things I really believe in is making my work accessible. And not everyone can afford to hire me as a one on one coach. So having a very low cost membership means that people can still get to work with me at their own pace and at a level that they can afford. So, I launched the Scrappy Society membership back in April of 2023. And we have a bunch of people who signed up right away, which is exciting. Those early adopters are people who are really going to help form the basis for the community, right? So, like those, they're shaping the community right now, which is really, really fun. And I can't wait to see it grow and grow. I really, I predict it will be a core part of my work. Yeah, and so if you're interested in taking a look
0: at that or finding out more about it, you can go to coachjennygrover.com to check that out. And remember, Jenny is with an I. Okay, and Jenny, what is on your design wall right now?
1: Oh, on my design wall. So I have a couple of things. I have a small printed, screen printed patch by my friend Niku Arbabi from QuiltCon 2022. (laughs) She made these little screen printed, patches. She does them every year. I love yeah. it so much. I just want to see it every day. So it's up on my design wall. But my work, I'm working on, I'm working on quilt blocks from Barine Campbell's tattoo quilts. Love Barine. I had her on the podcast. And she's yeah, Canadian. she's yeah. great. I loved that interview with her. She's fantastic. And yeah. um, I love that quilt so much. So my best friend and I are each making one for each other. Oh, how sweet! So it's really fun. I'm very much behind where she is. So I, feel <laughs> I hope she hears this. And I was—I like, feel so bad about. It. I mean, I don't feel that bad, but you know what I mean. I'm yeah. I'm catching up now. But I will say, sometimes foundation with my um, sometimes with my health stuff, I have like cognitive kind of processing challenges, and so sometimes foundation paper piecing doesn't make sense for my brain, and I have right. to step away for a couple months. But yeah. it's starting to make sense again, so I'm in it again.
0: <laughs> so. Oh, good, good. Okay, so next up, we've got the lightning round robin. It's a series of rapid fire questions, and it's super fun. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, what is your favorite tool or notion?
1: Okay, two. One of them is the gypsy gripper. I hate the name, but I love its function. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's great to hold the ruler steady. Yeah, I, And then eyeglasses with progressive lenses in them. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I fought them for years. I thought that it meant that I was getting old and I can be kind of vain sometimes. And now that I have them, I love them so much because I can do every kind of craft without having to take my glasses off at all. So don't wait. Wow. Don't fight them, y'all.
0: <laughs> yeah. So great. Okay. Do you have any kind of personal reward system for getting things done?
1: Sometimes I will tell myself that if I get something done, I can go on my Amazon wish list and buy something that I've put there. Oh, good one. (laughs) That's great. A lot of what I've put there is like books and art supplies and stuff because people ask me, what do you want for Christmas or birthday? And I have that list. But sometimes I'll tell myself, you know what? You know what, girl? You get that stuff done. You can go buy some markers. (laughs) Nice.
0: (laughs) Has there been a mentor who's really influenced you along your journey?
1: Oh, you know my um, executive coach Jackie Sloan has. She just opened my eyes to a whole different way of being. Um, I started working with her in 2010, I think, and just just really really opened my eyes to just a different way of um, thinking about myself and living in a space of like gentle inquiry so just not being afraid to ask questions and and real and listen to the answers you know yeah that is so good what are some of your favorite
0: collections of
1: things <laughs> okay we talked about rocks right yeah <laughs> we did I, I mean part of why they hired me to work at rock products magazine was i come from a family with geologists in it and so i love rocks <laughs> I have a pile of rocks on my desk right now. I have crystals all over in the house. Whenever I go to the beach, I'm picking up rocks. When I travel, we were just in St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I came home with a handful of rocks. It's an obsession. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I love picking up rocks on the beach as well.
1: It's the best. Yeah. Okay. Do you have another favorite hobby besides quilting? One of my favorite hobbies is. Science fiction, TV shows, podcasts, books, movies, if it's sci-fi, and especially if it's about the world ending and being reformed in some other way, like (laughs) post-apocalyptic sci-fi, I'm on it. I'm all over it. Okay, that was awesome. So, thank you so much for braving the lightning
0: round, Robin. That was super fun. So, I've mentioned your website, coachjennygrover.com, a couple of times where we can find everything that you offer. But, where's the best place for
1: quilters to connect with you on social media? Ah, uh, that would be Instagram. So, I'm also coach Jenny Grover on Instagram. And generally, I'm there every day with all kinds of different resources. And I love, love, love chatting with people there. So come come chat with me. <laughs> okay. Now, as we wrap up, Jenny, what do you want quilters to
0: take away most from our conversation today?
1: You know, I think uh, two big things that I think are really important. One is that you are inherently creative. So even if you're in a lull, even if you feel like you can't think of a fresh idea even if you're just sewing with people's patterns i shouldn't even say just but even if that's what you choose to do you are inherently creative if you are making something out of nothing you are a creative person and the other thing is just to remember that that creativity and your wellness are intertwined so keep playing with ways to help yourself feel better keep exploring and asking yourself how can i feel better in this moment Every little thing helps. And the more you nurture that wellness, the more your creativity will reciprocate and grow and expand. Yeah, such a great message. And this has been such a great episode.
0: Jenny, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing your story. Oh, thank
1: you, Brandy. It's such a joy to be on your podcast. Longtime fan. Super happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much. So
0: that was my show with Jenny Grover. This topic is so important for makers, especially those of us who put our families first and our self-care goes by the wayside. One thing I loved about this interview was hearing how Jenny has taken her own personal struggles with health and wellness, educated herself, spent years following her passion for helping others, and in the process, she's carved out her own personal path to healing that has left her in better health than ever. Be sure to check out Jenny's brand new website to see everything she has to offer. It was a pleasure having her on the show. I learned so much and I loved sharing her story with you. Want to hear some more great news? The Quilter on Fire podcast has an all-new sponsor. Soya Yeah Quilting is Las Vegas' premier quilting and sewing supply retailer. Their goal is to provide the best supplies and customer service. Visit their store in person or shop online at soyaquilting.com. For them, it's a privilege to be in an industry filled with wonderful, caring people with a desire to make the world a little better every day. And if you want to hear my interview on the podcast with Zach, Tiancom and Brody from Soya yeah Quilting, head on over to the Quilter on Fire website to check out last week's episode number 121. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.